The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. A European health service received more than 48,000 requests from women in the U.S. who were not pregnant from September 2021 through April of 2023. The requests were for mifepristone and mifepristol, rather, two drugs typically used for medicated abortions. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. It's such a weird time that we live in, isn't it? I mean, it's strange. <laughs> Abortion and the murder of a child, just it's just part of the culture, right? I mean, it's, just, it's weird if you sit back and you think about it. Hey, it's good to be with you. I'm Drew Mariani. Appreciate you taking time to join me. We've got a lot to get into today. Of course, it's always a mixed bag here, so you're not quite sure what you get plugged into. I do want to remind you, though, as we go through all that's unfolding in your world, that um, that we turn to prayer, and we will do that in about an hour on the Chapel of Divine Mercy. And I want to try to remind you more, because you might have somebody who doesn't listen to Relevant Radio. They can they can stream the show. They're outside of our signal for some reason. They could go to the Drew Mariani Facebook page, or they could go to Relevant Radio. I uh, go to YouTube, just do a search for my name and 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 the chaplet, and it will come up. And uh, you could pray anywhere in the country, really anywhere in the world. So you know, remind others. It's such a powerful, powerful you know prayer, especially when we're so unified like that. So all that and more is coming up. You just heard that news clip there that was audio from CBS News describing the rise in requests for these abortion pills, right? Mifeprestone and mifeprestol. Uh, they're dangerous to women's health. Well, check this out. Yesterday, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that the state's constitution, and this is my home state. I'm a son of Pennsylvania. I was born and raised in the land of William Penn, right? Um, they ruled that the state's constitution, and I don't know where they came up with this, God forgive Pennsylvania. William Penn's probably rolling over in his grave. They, they found a provision for a fundamental right to reproductive autonomy. And what does that mean? Reproductive autonomy. autonomy. Don't you love these euphemisms? Abortion, right? You, you can do whatever you want. So Father Robert Spitzer, who's a great friend of this show, I always enjoy uh, listening to him, to his wisdom, to his intellect, recently was... Uh, he was on EWTN, and he had a bone to pick on the use of these, uh, of the phrase pro-choice. And I agree with him. I've always said that and what it means. Listen to his breakdown. Check this out. This is Father Robert Spitzer. Pro-choice is just a great euphemism which Dr. Nathanson and other people developed in order to justify the practice of abortion. No question. So just think of pro-choice euphemism for what? Pro-abortion, for killing innocent children. That's what it is. Of course, you know, you can say I'm giving, but it is pro-choice because I'm giving a woman the right to choose. To choose what? To kill uh, illegitimately an innocent child which who does not uh, share um, uh, uh, her DNA perfectly. The child has different DNA than she does. Uh, and, and of course, the child has a different soul than she does. And the child has a, a different internal constitution than she does and functions on a different you know, uh, you know, functional body system than she does. This does not belong to her. A child is no more her property. A child's soul is no more her property than, um, well, than my property. Uh, you know, just because it's in her womb, yes, that's true. She has, uh, you know, um, in, in some sense, got the responsibility for bringing that child to term. 
But just because a mother has an infant now outside the womb doesn't mean, well, I really don't want to take care of this child anymore. I guess I have the right to kill it. You don't. You really don't. Because the child, as every court would say, as every conscience would say, mm -hmm. is not your property. <laughs> so it's just a euphemism. It's not a real choice, a choice toward a good. It's a choice to, toward abject evil. Isn't it just so obvious? I mean, I'm sitting back here chuckling at it. It's, just, it's so ridiculous. But it says to me that this is what happens when you sin. Right? When you think that this is okay, when, when you violate the laws of God, your mind becomes so dark, it becomes dark, and you, you, you just don't fire on all cylinders. You don't think rationally anymore. And boy, does Satan love that, right? What's his hallmark? What's his brand? Confusion, right? Deception, division. Those are all the hallmarks of the evil one. And then we come out with these very beautiful terms like being pro-choice. Who? I'm pro-choice. All right, I'm pro-choice, but I'm not for killing a baby. Right? I am not for killing a child. I'm all about giving you an opportunity to freely choose. But not to kill a baby. You have no right over that child, as Father Spitzer point out. And then these terms, these euphemisms, reproductive justice, reproductive autonomy. They all sound so good until you decode what they actually mean. It's, it's bizarre. But shame on the state of Pennsylvania. And you citizens of Pennsylvania and you citizens of New York and, Chicago, and Illinois and California and all these states that have gone so blue and have pushed the, the culture of death so strongly. Um, you know, I'm praying for your conversion. And I'm asking the citizens in that state who are pro-life, those who are pro-choice slash pro-life, right? You're like me. You respect the dignity of the human person. Don't stop fighting. I sit back and I hear these stories. I'm thinking, am I doing enough? Am I supporting those who are trying to make a difference? Am I putting into office men and women who will advance this cause? Am I making sure that my children are educated uh, properly and well-formed? Am I doing my own due diligence so I understand the issues? And we should all be asking ourselves those questions. That's how things are going to come about and change. And then you pray and you fast, all right? That is what will animate everything, and that's what will bring things about. You know, Father Rocky says he wanted to do, uh, what was it, 500 million memoraries? He, he, no, he wanted to pray memoraries, and he didn't know how many it would take for the end of Roe v. Wade. I think we got to about 500 million, 400 and some million, and we had the Dobbs decision. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Right? I, I do think prayer animates things. I think the rosary helps help to bring down the, the, the Iron Curtain, help to defeat communism. Right? I, I believe that the same thing's going to happen in this country. I think our prayers, right, our sacrifice, these memoraries that we are continuing to pray. So above all else, you first pray and you fast and you sacrifice and you offer penance. And God will honor that. Trust me. And you and I could be that generation that looks back as they did with the Emancipation Proclamation when Lincoln signed that and look back and realize, wow, slavery has ended. You and I can say, wow, the culture of death has come to an end in this country. I pray one day that I will see that before I draw my final breath. I certainly hope my kids don't have to live through this. But the state of Pennsylvania, you know, finds a constitutional provision for the fundamental right to reproductive autonomy. So the case, uh, it went back to like a 1982 state law. I was reading about it a little bit earlier, and it prohibits the use of taxpayer-funded Medicaid to pay for abortion. So the judges went beyond a discussion of that law, and the controlling opinion was close. It was three to two. And here's what they said, and I'll just share one sentence 
from what I was reading. It says, our privacy jurisprudence is strong and deep and founded in the basic notion that there's an inherent right to an individual to be let alone, to live a private life, to have security in one's bodily integrity, and to make important decisions free of government intrusion. As I read that, I thought, those judges missed the irony, right? <laughs> the government can't intrude on the decision to have an abortion, but it can pay for the abortion? The, the decision actually doesn't allow for abortions in the Commonwealth beyond, I think, the current, stand, the current number, I think 23 weeks. But it does send the case back to the lower courts for final determination in accord with the, major, with the majority. Maggie, how many months pregnant are you? Are you 23, 24, 20? I mean, do you know how many months, or not months, how many weeks you are in? I'll be 20 weeks next week. Can you imagine that? So in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, um, you can have that abortion. You know, I mean, imagine aborting a child at 23 weeks, right? It's a, it's, I mean, it was you, a fully formed baby when I saw it at 12 weeks. So I you, mean, you're feeling it now, right? I'm assuming. Totally. And, and you're seeing it. I mean, your, your body's beginning to change for the baby, your appetite, your sleep. You know something's totally. different. You totally. know there's a child in totally. it. Totally. The thought to go in there at this stage when you're four and a half months pregnant? Yeah. You know, and, and determinate the child. It's it's nuts. Absolutely crazy. But, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying. It's, it's the... Um, any rational human being, any sane person, you know, they know that that's a child in the womb. And yet we want to, to justify our actions. We want license to do what we want, even if it goes against natural law and common sense. You know, sometimes it's even just as simple as uh, something like this. Uh, when we were at Seek, there was a stand for, I think, maybe Sisters of Life and a bunch of the nuns were there and they had this display on their table that simply just had a little a little baby doll in the shape and the size of what it would be at 6 weeks at oh. 10 weeks at 15 weeks you know all the way through the gestational period yeah. and um Joe saw it. He's like, I've never seen something like that before. And he was like, I saw at that time I was, I think 16 weeks or yeah. something like that. And he was like, I saw what our baby would look like. And it was as big as my hand, you know? And why isn't that taught in our sex ed classes? Like why just something as simple as that. I, I think it's such a great point. I mean, father Frank Pavone, now Mr. Frank Pavone, right. Who headed up the, um, Oh, priest for life for a while. Um, he once said something that always struck me, and it's, it's still valid today. He says, abortion will never come to an end in this country until people see it for what it is, right? The Holocaust was the same way. I mean, there were concentration camps set up. Until those horrors became visible, until people knew what was happening there, the innocent were going to their death in massive numbers. The same thing here. I saw, uh, I knew a woman who I, I've shared the story many times. She had two abortions, and then she got married. Her husband was an attorney and decided to have two more because she had twins, but they didn't want to mess up with his law degree and everything else was oh. going on. So she ended up um, deciding to uh, not have, uh, to, to have the abortion. Now she can't have any children at all. Um, and I thought some of her abortions were 12 and 13 weeks. Oh For a woman who sees a little baby at 12 weeks, like you saw that little doll, and I've seen that, it's got to haunt them. I mean, it's got to be so difficult to get beyond. But to your point... Let's show people before they get pregnant. Totally. Let's let them know what it is. That's why ultrasounds save lives. Um, in fact, coming up in just a moment, there's going to be a great story. We're going to speak to Elizabeth Samuda. She actually lost a child through miscarriage and has been spending 
um, every year now to honor that, that, that child. You're going to love this story. But one final thing on this, this note here, and I, I didn't intend to talk this much about it. I was going to share with you what the state of Pennsylvania did. But there is one other story that we should be praying for. There is a, uh, uh, on March the 26th, it's a date you're going to, you're going to hear more about. Uh, that date happens to be Holy Tuesday this year. Right, Holy Tuesday, U.S. Supreme Court. That's March twenty-six. Is um, going to determine. They're going to take a look at another major, major case. Uh, and by the way, I, just a side note. I looked at the calendar. That date, Holy Tuesday, uh, is the day after what would normally we'd celebrate as the feast of the Annunciation, March. 25th, right? And the 25th is when more apparitions took place. Many of them began on that day. But but the Annunciation, and listen to what's going on. The Alliance for the Hippocratic Medicine, they're actually challenging the FDA, uh, their approval of a drug, claiming that they didn't follow proper procedures in approving it. And they ignored data showing how this drug, you know, when it's taken by women, can really cause a, a lot of harm. And what am I talking about? Well, the FDA is allowing it to be prescribed, these these abortion pills. It's a case that deals with the legality of abortion pills. The FDA is, they, they're going to allow them to be prescribed via telemedicine rather than an in-person visit, which I just think, again, is insane. It's not safe for the woman. Court's also going to hear a case in April where the administration's trying to force emergency room doctors to perform abortions against their will. That will never happen. Uh, I, I, you'll see an exodus out of medicine for pro-life doctors, but just that's just some side notes. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more coming up. I do want to um, I do want to change gears. Here. There's a lot of other news to get to. I want to share with you about China wanting to rewrite the the Bible. Did you hear about that? That's a crazy story too. I'll share that with you. Uh, IRS is rolling out something that might be able to help you file your taxes coming up. Medical debt may be forgiven. There's a lot to get to news-wise. But I want to share with you, I bumped into a guy a couple of weeks ago. I had an opportunity to have lunch with him. And um, it's a really a small world. You know, when I'm here at Relevant Radio, you know my love of the divine mercy, right? So when I started praying the chaplet, somebody sent me a pair of divine mercy socks. I'm like, oh, those are so cool. I love it, right? So I put my suit on or you know, I can put those, those socks, maybe with a pair of jeans because they're conversation starters. What's with those socks? And it gives me an opportunity to talk about divine mercy, right? Plus I got the image of divine mercy on me and there's a lot of promises regarding the image, right? Um, I actually bumped into the man whose company makes those socks. I actually have two pairs of them now. Somebody else gave me a pair, but... Um, I thought, man, what a niche market this has got to be, you know? And yet, what a great way to evangelize. Uh, I just absolutely love it. I really do. The implications of, 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 you know, having a tactile faith, rosary, sacred images, incense, these things are really powerful in terms of not only drawing us to God, but drawing others to God as well. And um, I'm going to get you plugged into this. They make great gifts. You know, this little sock company you can check out as well. But... Um, this man, I think, is kind of a visionary. He came up with a, um, a company like Sock Religious. You'll, you'll you find success in, in making socks designed with saints and other Catholic images. His name's Scott Williams. He's the co-founder and CEO of Catholic Concepts. You can check out that website. It started out with Sock Religious. Then he had such a demand, he grew to encompass five other business lines and God has really been blessing um, his outreach. And uh, they're making gear right now, believe it or not, for the uh, National Eucharistic Congress. So there'll be some pretty cool swag there. I, I invited him to stop by today for a few minutes just to maybe 
let you learn a little bit more about this. These these great instruments. I think of evangelization and a great way to to spread the faith. If you want to, you can check them out online. The website's catholicconcepts.com, and it's a delight to have Scott Williams with me today. Scott, welcome. Good to talk with you. Drew, thanks for having me on the show. It's truly a joy. Yeah, well, I, I love it, and it is a small world, as I said. A, a friend of mine, uh, well, a guy who I worked with here uh, a while ago gave me those socks. A listener sent me your socks, and my daughter was buying different socks. I mean, you got some yeah. cool swag. I, I, I love it. So for those who might have seen these, and there's probably a lot of people who don't know anything about the company, uh, let's back up. What inspired you to do it and, and fill everyone in on, on this mission of yours? Yeah, so I worked full-time in Catholic youth ministry for about 10 years, and uh, I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit to myself, even working in the ministry world. Uh, I would do things a little bit uh, outside of the box. I think that's one of the things that helped me be a little more successful in that career path. I truly loved doing it, in fact. Uh, but when I moved from working at the parish and then into the diocese, I you know went from you know, being the the fun youth leader to wearing a suit and tie to work most days. So yeah. uh, socks became the fun way to express myself. So I'd wear, you know, donut socks on National Donut Day, or I'd wear my American flag socks on all the patriotic holidays. And my wife and I were on a trip to Chicago and we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if there was a way for us to celebrate the feast days rather than, uh, you know, national holidays or silly made up national holidays? And we thought, well, what if we could, you know, celebrate St. Joseph the Worker and St. Michael the Archangel? And uh, that's kind of where the inspiration started. And we thought it'd be, you know, kind of fun, but then it just turned into a whole new animal. It was crazy. You know, I was reading your story earlier today. You, you founded this in 2017. I mean, this is a new company, and yet you've had unbelievable success. This is a niche I'm assuming people have missed. There's been Catholic Marketing Association events. There's been people trying to move product all the time. What do you think it is uh, that you tapped into and why? Well, I we, we often say that our, our target market is Catholics to take them, their, their faith seriously, but not themselves. Yeah. And if you walk into most Catholic gift shops and bookstores, and this isn't a knock on them, yeah, right. but the, the Catholic gift industry has been somewhat stagnant over the years. So, you know, when I was working as a, as a director of youth ministry, you know, I'd have confirmation sponsors ask, you know, what, what kind of gift should I get for, for, for my, my sponsor, uh, Susie? And, you know, Susie already had a, a, a rosary and her patron saint uh, medals and things like that. There's only so many things that you you have, and then when you when you put socks and beautiful bright colors next to all those other things, it's something fun. It's something different. It's something inviting, and I think that became very attractive to people. When I first started this business, and I'd reach out to you know I'd cold call uh, Catholic gift shops, it, there was a bit of an education process to try to convince them. Yes, these things are they're real. They're they're popular. It's something that people will will enjoy. But over the course of the last six years, it's it's like you said, it's it's had a lot of growth. Um, we've been really blessed. We we've recognized that the Holy Spirit is truly moving in what we're doing, and we're just trying to do our best to respond. I love it. My guest today, and if you want to join us, feel free to dial in triple eight nine one four. 9149 is Scott Williams, and he's the f- co-founder and CEO of Catholic Concepts. Uh, what have you heard? I mean, I I, I like, uh, I have a love for Divine Mercies, you probably know, but 
These are great ways to evangelize. I I saw another one of my colleagues the day you stopped by, believe it or not. She had, I think, St. Monica socks on. So what are the most popular and and what feedback do you hear from people? I mean, how is this an instrument to not only maybe draw them to the faith, but others? And and your friend St. Monica, or your friend that had the St. Monica socks on has the newest ones. Those were just released in, in January. Um, we, we've gotten a, a lot of great feedback. And like you said, it's a, it's a great tool for evangelization. So when I first started working in youth ministry, I think I always thought that the hardest part of the evangelization process was starting the conversation for me. Um, really just get, being able to get the ball rolling. Once I was able to start the conversation about faith and like enter into that part of the conversation, the rest of being able to share my story and my witness was just part of uh, what I was able to to do. I was engaging in that conversation, and um, being able to really start is is, in my opinion, the the hardest. So it's it's been great opportunity for people to evangelize in all sorts of different different ways. But being able to really authentically engage in those conversations, that's one piece of it. But we've also had people that have worn socks to all of their cancer treatments. We've had people that have said that they want the saints to to be with them in some capacity awesome. uh, on their on their wedding day. So all of the groomsmen wear the socks. We know people that have been married in our socks, but we also know people that have been buried in our socks. So oh it's people have worn it in in times of their greatest need yep. when they need a little bit more of inspiration during a, a job interview. Uh, it, it's really been kind of all over the place and something that we couldn't have imagined up on our own. Yeah, I think a job interview is a cool idea. You might be a little nervous going into it, right? You, you got your yeah. saints with you. But then again, I, I just think they're great conversation starters. I was in a, a board meeting. So I was sitting on a, 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 on a, in a board meeting somewhere one time and I saw mm-hmm. somebody, a guy was at the table next to me, crossed his legs and his pant leg goes up and there's his socks. And, and he had really cool. So it was a great conversation starter. You know, it's like, I think they're great. What other swag do you make? Yeah. So we, uh, we make t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, stickers, especially in the soccer religious side. We, we design the socks. Um, we make them actually in house. Uh, we have 10 knitting machines that make the socks, but then we repurpose that art for, coffee mugs, uh, water bottle stickers. Um, we have a whole line of t-shirts that have funny puns on them as well. So that's, uh, that, that's kind of where we specialize in the, in the Catholic gift market for soccer religious. So if people want to, uh, learn more, what's the best way to connect to you? So catholicconcepts.com is kind of a central hub. We have several different initiatives, but, uh, that'll get you to all the things that we're doing. And you're making stuff for the national Eucharistic Congress. We are, we are, yeah. That's been one of the great joys. Is uh, so we we have a full scale uh, screen printing operation as well. So we do uh, printing for schools and parishes around the country. But one of the the great uh, institutions that we get to work with is the National Eucharist Revival. Yeah. One final thing: if someone's listening, saying, "Hey, man, I'd love to have this done for my parish," do, do you take custom orders now for what people want? T shirts, hats, socks, whatever. Yeah, that's it's it's one of our our the the great things that we get to do. So four marks printing is kind of the mm-hmm. the custom merchandise side of our business, that's and you. we we make merchandise for schools, parishes, apostolates, you name it, anything kind of custom. And we the the nice thing about that is we we understand the industry really well. Um, most print shops will make you pay everything up front. Need to have all your ducks in a row. We get what it's like working in ministry. Yeah, we know yeah. that you don't have a full graphic design team. Yeah. We know that Susie, the bookkeeper, only cuts checks every two weeks. So we were able to to kind of work through all those pain points. I love the name Four Marks. I'm assuming that's after the wounds of our Lord. 
uh, the, the the four marks of the church, one holy Catholic oh, and apostolic is oh, kind that's of even the, better. The that's cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, I love it. I love what you're doing. I hope people will check you out. And I'm grateful for all that you do for the church and look forward to seeing your stuff at the National Eucharistic Congress. We're going to be there. So sure, we'll see that all over the place. CatholicConcepts.com. That is the website. CatholicConcepts.com. Check it out. And uh, use the uh, you know the merchandise to to evangelize or just to draw yourself closer to the Lord. Scott, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. God bless you, Scott Williams, the uh, CEO of Catholic Concepts. And uh, got to take a short pause here. When we come back, I want to share with you a, a really powerful story. We've been talking a little bit in the very opening segment about about life, right? And it's interesting how the show sometimes comes together. This really wasn't all planned. But I work with a woman. Her name's Elizabeth Samudis, and. Um, she lost a child years ago, and here at the network right now, we're doing a diaper drive, so people are bringing in diapers, and um, when I asked her, I said, well, why did you, why'd you do this? What made you want to have a diaper drive here at, at Relevant? She told an amazing story. She'll share that with you when I return. Your Life Connected. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I choose to break the silence of pregnancy loss because the number of women who came alongside me after each of our grief experiences to whisper, I know how you feel. I've lost a baby too. That number was alarming. It was as if a secret society of women were emerging to say, I've lost a baby, but I've been told to get over it. You didn't know that baby anyway. Many of these women were just like me. They dreamed of becoming a mother since they were old enough to emulate their own mothers and grandmothers. You are not alone. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, it's tough stuff. The loss of a child is a unique and deep pain that changes your life forever. And our society, for some reason, seems to overlook the loss of a child, especially in utero. But it requires really just as much grieving and, and processing as as a child in any other stage of life. And I pray to God I never know what that's like. Uh, you just heard Tanika Dillard. Uh, that was a TED Talk about her experience of miscarriage and the loss uh, of her baby. 20 years ago, next week, there was a baby named Edward Thomas Samutis. Uh, who was stillborn. And a year later, his mother started Ted's Diaper Drive, her mission to collect diapers in memory of babies lost to miscarriage and stillbirth. Um, his mother is Elizabeth Smudis. She's now one of my colleagues here at Relevant Radio. She's the director of donor relations at um, an engagement here for, for the network. But she's also a devoted wife and mother of five who navigated a very diverse uh, career path from international business consulting to to sales territory management, all the way to here, really. And the journey goes on. There's a lot in between. But um, she's the passionate founder of Ted's Diaper Drive. And I thought we'd talk to her today. It's a heartfelt initiative addressing you know, diaper needs while fostering and, and healing and sharing stories of loss and so much more. It's about giving back, really. And Elizabeth, I'm sorry for your loss. I know it's just as raw. I saw you as that audio was playing, and I know it can be be tough, and it probably never goes away. But share your story. Take us back in time, and what motivated you to make such a difference like you are today? Uh, 
thank you, Drew. It's such a pleasure to be here and, and share this mostly because uh, it is a very isolating feeling not to be able to talk about these losses. And, and as um, the lady said previously on the TED Talk, just to um, feel like you're supposed to just overlook it. Um, and there's a real opportunity to promote life in the conversation. So um, 20 years ago, my husband and I went for our final checkup before delivery, and there was no heartbeat, and we were devastated. We had no idea um, that there was any, there was nothing to tell us that was going to happen. It was shocking. He measured perfectly. We never had any indication there were any issues, and it still remains today completely unexplained. Wow. Um, so we um, sought really great advice from a priest in a at Northwestern who actually um, was the launch pad for the bereavement. They are incredible there. Yeah. They treat you with such dignity while you're there. We held Ted. He had a little, he had his little onesie on. Um, they really do protect you and help you experience the child in your arms um, in the best of ways. So we brought the baby home. We had uh, a full funeral uh, up in Lake Forest. Uh, the families who showed up were incredible. Um, maybe 70 to 80 families there to support us. Um, had a luncheon. He's in the the St. Mary's Cemetery in Lake Forest. Um, so we visit him often. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was devastating. I remember times laying on my bed looking up at the ceiling, thinking, I am on the cross with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And whatever you want from this, I'm yours. I'm so low. I'm so down. Um, we did go to a hospital group. A dear friend took me to a hospital group um, one time to see if we could get some support. And I saw people there, women who were there for 10 years, still grieving the loss like it had just happened yesterday. And I said to my husband as we walked out, not doing this. I'm not letting this define us negatively. Good for you. And I sought help from a priest and had spiritual direction for about two years. Um, and within that time frame, really learning to tap into uh, the power of the Eucharist and adoration um, really strengthened my prayer life. And then I knew I needed to do something. So after his first birthday, I decided to just diaper somebody else's baby. <laughs> with other people's diapers. So oh, I took cool. anybody's open packs I could find uh, through my friends. I packaged them up and took them to a shelter. Um, and so really that's how it got started. Every single diaper counts. Yeah. Um, and then year over year, people started to send me diapers. And then year over year, I would find I would get letters or emails from people around the country who heard about it and because they had their own losses, just wanted to share stories. Yeah. And then they wanted to know how to do their own diaper drives because it helped them grieve the loss. Yeah, I would think it's therapeutic, you know, to, to do something like this. I had a producer who worked with me years ago. I think, and Cassie, if I'm getting it wrong, forgive me. I think it was five miscarriages that she had. Uh, she prayed to get pregnant, wanted to have a child so desperately. She ended up, and, and God brings good out of every situation, which I'm sure you'll probably be able to testify to. You've probably seen the fruit of, of the lives that you've changed as a result. She wrote a book on miscarriage. And God would go on. She'd adopt two children. And then to her surprise, never thinking she'd be able to have children, God gave her three more naturally. She's got a family, I think, five or six now. And I, I work with her with her colleague. Um, so if someone has suffered loss, I just want to speak speak to you. I want you to know that, you know, 
God can bring good out of that situation. It may seem like you'll never get beyond this. The grieving will never stop. But I know from several people, you know, uh, of course you'll never forget it, but but you can get move beyond this. How long did it take you? Was it was this therapeutic cause of yours is what helped? And what advice would you give to some woman right now who's who's stuck in that cycle? Um, engage in something like this? I mean, Cassie wrote the book. You started Ted's Diapers. Mm-hmm. I think anything that you discern uh, in your prayer life that works for you will work. This is what I will say, though. It probably took me, you know, maybe a year um, to kind of have that heavy grief lift, mm-hmm. right? Because course, I did the natural. active work and I had the love of my husband and my children um, and friends. Um, but this is the advice I have. I say, when you're going through that and you're shocked, fight for it. Don't cheat. Do everything you can to mm. fully acknowledge and be present to that life. Um, I had a friend in the spring who lost a baby that they called St. Jose Maria, and it was maybe about 16 weeks. And I encouraged her to do the same. And she ended up choosing to deliver that baby so they could mourn the baby and really get the support um, and bury the baby and have the friends be there at the funeral. And, I mean, you, you— it's easy to say, I don't want to do it sometimes, yeah, right. but it's not the right path. The right path yeah. is to accept the love, accept the cross, yeah. run to it, and then find what God wants you to do with it. If you want to join us, maybe you're going through it, maybe you've been through it, and you want to share your experience, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 888 That's 888 You can call now and get into the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Did you know that the child was stillbirth or did that, did you go into labor? What, what happened at that moment and, and how did you reconcile with that, that reality? Yeah. So I was in the, I was having an ultrasound and I was like, where's the heartbeat? And it actually wasn't my normal doctor who's delivered all my children. Oh. It was another doctor at the time. This said, is number three, right? So you uh, already yeah, had this two was number three, right? Said that, um, there was no heartbeat. And um, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and we walked out of the doctor's office and my awesome husband, Tom, looked at me and he said, okay, we're not leaving downtown. We're going down to Brooks Brothers because I need some clothes. And if anybody (laughs) asks you when you're due, you tell them your due date and we are going to get through this. We checked in at the hospital and they were able to give me drugs to be comfortable because they weren't worried about viability, but I had the Pitocin. We delivered the baby. My brother-in-law showed up and, um, who was awesome to be there. I remember him coming in the door. And as soon as the baby, as soon as Ted came out, she, the nurse looked at my husband and he was just devastated. And she said, you're going to hold him." And he kind of went, what? And he just she just shoved Ted into my husband's arms and thank God it was the best thing he ever did. And he says that today. Um, And so we just, we took that moment together to really just be present um, to that vulnerability. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking to a colleague of mine, her name's Elizabeth and uh, she suffered not just a miscarriage, but a stillborn Mm -hmm. birth. I carried to nine months. That's a a long Mm -hmm. time. And, as a result, started a really beautiful ministry and is, is really helping a lot of other women. And like I said, if you want to join us, I'll go to the phones in a second. It's 888-914-9149, 888 Maggie, I, I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. My wife and I, we've had five beautiful children. I mean, 
uh, is there this fear that that you might have a miscarriage or stillbirth or what's your greatest fear as a pregnant woman? You know, um, I think I've conquered a lot of my fears because I feared for a long time that I wasn't even going to get married. I feared that I might be too old to have children. So all of this is a miracle to me. And I have had some friends that have gotten pregnant and have miscarried um, in the last few years. And, and you, one of my best friends, this just happened to her a couple months ago while I had just shared with her that I was pregnant. So uh, we were so excited to be pregnant together. And, and then to see her suffer this loss, um, I wanted to be with her in that pain and explore that pain and counsel her, but not take it on myself. Um, I think I told you, Drew, you know, and we, we hear these calls come in all the time on the chaplet, you know, for someone that's suffered a miscarriage or, you know, something's happened in, in, in the birthing process or in, in utero. And I just keep having this scripture float into my brain um, that I, I really think is a grace that's helping me just not, not take any of that on myself is, is thousands may fall about me, but you are my strength and my shield. Amen. You know, you, you are my shepherd. And so I, I, I'm not going to worry. And if he leads me to that experience, he'll lead me to that experience and yeah. I'll, I'll deal with it then. But I can't fear those things that, yeah. you know, aren't, might not be in the cards for me. This yeah. is a miracle in itself. So beautifully said. Were you angry at God, uh, Elizabeth? And the reason I say that is because, you know, I think of uh, miracles and I, I'm a big believer in them, as you know, I've seen them. Uh, the Fulton Sheen interceded in the case of a, a mother and father whose child was still, well, should have been stillborn and died in, in, in utero. Blessed Pachinsky, now St. Pachinsky, the founder of the Marians, a resurrection story. There's many of these resurrection stories of children who have, have died. Um, I'm sure you prayed, right? You prayed hard. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm how, not, did you, how, how did you deal with it spiritually? So I'm not an angry person, um, but I certainly, I think um, certain dispositions tend to say, what did I do wrong? Like, you know, what did I do wrong, right? Um, and I would say that um, I really was more focused on how am I going to get through this because I have other children to raise, and I hope I have more children. Yeah. Um, I often tell women that the reason why it hurts so much is because you're literally suffering a full life yeah. in that moment, whereas we get— what, 50 years to live with our kids maybe, sure. and we suffer yeah. that time period along with ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But when you you have to experience a life that comes and goes so quickly, it's painful. I mean, there's yeah. there's nothing you can do, and you just have to trust. You I just think, have to trust. I think of the mothers who lost their children through abortion as well when they come to term with the reality of that, the, the pain that they have oh. as well. And I, I hate to leave them even out of this conversation because— whether you had a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or you made the mistake of uh, of abortion, um, that is a life, and you know God has given you that life, and there's a special relationship with it. And what advice would you say to that mother who is not really reconciled with her miscarried child, or the maybe didn't bury it like you did, or had it stillborn, maybe aborted the child? What would you say to her? Yeah, I just think that it's it's um, evidence for women who have aborted that. Trust, trust these moms who've already lived through this and quote wanted their babies, right? That that 
you know when you sit in the pew or right. you're somewhere that there's a void, that there's that one baby that's not missing. But yeah. think about how you send one right up to heaven. Um, and yeah, yeah just Something reach else. out and trust and yeah. tell your story, share your story, yeah. um, and, and start your own diaper drive, send yeah. diapers, diaper, another baby. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to do. Well, let's talk about that. When I come back, I have to take a short pause. If you're on hold, I'm going to get you on the air. Thank you for your patience. Our call screener is trying to work through the calls and we'll get you on in just a minute. The chaplet too is about 15 minutes away. So if you have a special need or a desire, you want some prayer, feel free to join us. You can also watch it live. We are on Facebook and on YouTube. You can go to the Drew Mariani Facebook page or go to YouTube. Maggie will take your intentions there as well as Twitter. We'll pray together when we come back to in about 15 minutes, but stay with us. Elizabeth Samudis is in studio with me. One of my colleagues here today sharing her story and my son just fostered a child, right? So they just adopted. Actually, they just adopted. So it's my grandson now. Um, I can't believe how expensive diapers are. Holy cow. These poor kids. You know, you think about how having children, how expensive it could be. So your, your diaper drive, I know, is making a difference in a lot of lives. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. So stay with us. Need some hope as a reminder that everything will be okay? Stay with us. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Pray, hope, and don't worry. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, coming up next. Yeah, we'll pray in about 10 minutes. It'd be great to pray for you. I want to pray for any mother contemplating abortion. I want to pray for any woman who's lost a child or man for that fact as well. It's not just a... It's a couple that often suffers, and uh, Elizabeth Samudis knows that better than probably anybody. She um, she lost her child. I think it was 20 years ago now, 20 years ago, named Ted. She delivered a stillborn, and uh, she responded in a unique way. She actually has uh, started a thing called Ted's Diaper Drive, and here at our radio network, I saw all these different boxes of diapers coming in, and I'm, I'm like, yo, what's going on? And she does this every year in honor of her son. And I think others are doing this. This is not just here. I mean, one of the reasons I invited you, because I think it's such a beautiful cause, a beautiful ministry, in which people around the country can do the same thing in their own parishes or their schools or, or their communities. Um, let's talk about that for a moment, because, you know, a lot of single mothers or couples, I mean, diapers could be really expensive. I mean, the cost of them are they're, they're through, through the roof right now. You have people donate them to you, and then you you give them to families in need. Is that what you're doing right now? Yes. Yeah, so I have a couple pods, and, what and, I call and, pods. And then also, if you can expand, and we'll take yeah. a few calls here, on what others can do to kind of carry this mission. Yeah, please. So there's a really great little school model you can do. Um, like one school um, actually collect the kids collect diapers and they actually have to do a little chore at home in order to build virtue oh, to wow. offer the diaper. They bring them in, we collect them. Another school, they're doing a diaper duel where the the kids compete by grade and how many diapers they get a point for each diaper and then they get an ice cream for have, for whoever wins. That's awesome. Um, parishes can help. Um Anybody, you can ship them. Um, what we do, early on, we would send them to a food pantry. But then we switched over to the Catholic Charities Diaper Depot in Lake County. And now they help us collect them from the pods that we get them from, whether it's a rec center, another friend's house. I know the Women's Auxiliary Board of Catholic Charities is also collecting from their group. And basically, we're just providing a vehicle or a place for them to deposit them so we can get them to 
um, to the diaper depot up in Lake County. And then what they do is distribute that out through their partners to make sure that people can get them. And people can follow this model wherever they are, right? You can do it wherever you are. And again, even starting with the open packs, because your kids grow out of them quickly. You've got five diapers. Don't throw them out. Those diapers count. I love it. Uh, Let's go to Peoria, Iowa. And I want to say Illinois, but Iowa's on my screen here. Chelsea, good afternoon. Hi. Hey. Go right ahead. Sorry, I've, I've never been on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you. I don't bite, okay? Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, should I should I start my story? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, sure. Go right ahead. Uh, you're here with Elizabeth. and uh, Hi, Chelsea. Uh, hi. Thank you. Um, sorry. It's still a little bit emotional for me, so I, I will do my best. But um, So, my name is Chelsea, and I, um, I found out that I was pregnant when I was 21 years old and I um, <clears throat> um, I was with my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. Um, we were very scared and we did not know what to do. So we did what most people were doing at our age mm-hmm. in our area. Um, and we were, uh, we went to Planned Parenthood just to see if, you know, things were viable, what, what what we could do, what our options were, and um, it was the biggest mistake of my life um, because they pushed and pushed and pushed to tell me that I should have an abortion. And they were very adamant, and they were very, they said, well, legally, we we have to make you wait for a week. We have to come back, but you need to come back because the situation you're in, you, you need to. And it was a healthy pregnancy. It was, you know, this baby, he or she had a heartbeat. Um, everything was completely fine. And I said, you know, is there a reason why I need to do this? I mean, like, you know, health-wise. And they were telling me that, you know, I, that, no, I absolutely needed to do it regardless. And I was young and I was scared and so was my boyfriend and so unfortunately we did um we did end up making that very hard and very big mistake um we now have two beautiful healthy babies so god's grace is so good and his forgiveness is so good but i will say that one thing that has helped me is as hard as that can be to make the hard decision again to speak about it and share your story because no one talks about how hard it is to get through and to every single day have that choice that that was what that choice that you made right living with that choice they think people think like oh I'll just never think about it again. And that's not the case. (laughs) And anybody I have ever spoken to about it, that is not the case. Oh my gosh, Chelsea, I just want to affirm you for sharing your story. And I know how much courage it takes. And you will adjust your story today at this moment is going to affect so many hearts. I thank you so much for your courage and know that your, your baby is advocating for you in heaven. I've, I hope you've named that baby. That's also another great thing you can do. Name your babies yeah. whether or pray for that name. Um, God is so generous. He will not disappoint. And there is forgiveness and love and 
the most beautiful thing about being women is that femininity of of sensitivity to each other. Yeah. And we need to stop pushing that aside to be like men, to be hard, to be we we need to really embrace the beauty of that maternity um, because it's who our creator made us to be. So sharing your story, I really encourage you to continue to do it and make sure that your children at some point understand this love that you're bringing into the world through yeah. this story. Well, Chelsea, thanks for calling. Uh, you got a powerful you. intercessor for you and your husband and and for your children. We're going to pray the chaplet in a few you. minutes, so I'll remember you in a particular way with, with my own personal prayer. Joan's in Chicago, and she's joining the conversation. We only have a couple minutes, but Joan, good afternoon. You're on the air with Elizabeth. Okay, hi. Um, yeah, I lost my firstborn son um, a long time ago, and it still really hurts really badly. I just basically want to say, you know, it was a very traumatic experience. He was, I had an abruption of the placenta, uh, he lived for 18 days, and it was given, you know, 80% chance for him to survive. Um, I just want to say, because I'm a nurse, I actually deliver where I work, which is even tougher. Um, but for people just to grieve in their own way, I know that I think it's a wonderful program that your guest has. But I know personally, I could have never done it. Uh, and you talked to her about being angry. I was very angry at God. Um, I wanted, I begged for him to take my life and and spare my son. And, um, but you know, I was blessed with three additional children, but you know, people, it's a very silent loss. People don't acknowledge because it's not real. Mm -hmm. And they say, Oh, well, you can have another child. Like it, that that child is replaced, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just want to say, because I I know somebody that just went through something similar is to grieve, do what you need to do to grieve in your own way, find a good support system and really dive into your faith. Well, Joan, thank you for your thank call. You. And I am sorry for your yeah, loss, so too. Sorry. I really am. And I totally understand where you're coming from. Elizabeth, I only have less than a minute. Final thoughts. Yeah, just I agree. You do have to find your, your own way, but do not give up and let it define you for good. And they always say when you're stressed, do something for someone else because it is a remedy. <laughs> is there a website for Ted's? Yes. Um, well, not website, but go to our Facebook page, Ted's Diaper Drive. You can... Send me a message. I'll give you a location. And if you want to send diapers, there is information there to do so. Ted's Diaper Drive. Ted's Diaper Drive. On Facebook. Yep, on Facebook. Ted's Ted's Diaper Drive. Drive. Hey, Elizabeth, thank you for your beautiful witness. God bless you, Drew. Thank Thank you you. God bless Relevant Radio. Hey, join me. We'll pray the chapel to Divine Mercy together. I'll be right back.